Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms held wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. It's Friday, 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 although as Christmas quickly approaches and I'm running out of days to get all of the things done that I think need to be done before Christmas, it's Friday and there's a bit of terror related to that, although I know, know, right? right, Paul, my list is long. My list is long because my list of people is long. I did write my Christmas letter last night. It's laying on Jim's desk to be uh, reviewed. I um, I stayed up late and put together, you know, one of those photo um, photo cards to send out. Uh-huh. Um, and let's just say that's just really not something that you should try to do late at night in a hurry um, with whatever limited pictures are just happen to be on your computer. And 16 days <laughs> before Christmas. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, just I think people are going to get the card and be like, um, these were the best pictures the LaBerge family took. <laughs> it was a rough year. <laughs> it was a rough year, man. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> so there you go. That's what, uh, maybe that will suffice for the Friday farm report today here. <laughs> um, with the, the war against the pestilence continues. I do believe we are now into like the third generation of um oh, of no. rodents um i know but at least we're uh, at least they're getting smaller and smaller every time and so i think that's a good sign i think um, so. we're still yeah. working on that the winter greens are planted in the greenhouse oh. so that is exciting um and and all of those you know hens who were chicks in the spring are now laying an egg every day so mm. um i have more eggs than i know what to do with but that's an excellent problem yes mm-hmm. christmas mm-hmm. quiche Yes, Christmas, Christmas, all things made with eggs. That's exactly right. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from John chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Um, if, if, if John chapter 1 isn't in your sort of regular rhythm of Christmas readings, uh, let it be so, because this, uh, the, this is just an excellent chapter to turn to. The prologue in John is just one of the most wonderful places to be reassured of the eternal nature of Christ um, and who he is. So here we go. These are verses 9 to 12. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's an amazing, amazing gift in uh, in these few short verses. First of all, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. At the beginning of what we know as time, God said, let there be light. And there was light. That same light comes in the person of Jesus. It is the light that will illuminate all things. 
in the new heaven, in the new earth, in the new Jerusalem. Uh, It is the true light through whom the world was made. Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. The book of Revelation uh, reveals that the time is going to come in the fullness of the kingdom. When the very light of the nature of Christ is going to illuminate everything, there will no longer be need for the ways that we experience light today. No sun, no uh, light reflected from the sun like the light of the moon, no electricity uh, or the reflections from, um, from electric light. I mean, every other light will go out because the only light that we will really need will be Jesus. That's what it means for the true light that gives light to everyone to come into the world. Jesus is the true light. The light of the world stepped down into darkness, opened our eyes, and lets us see. Does Jesus illuminate the reality of your life? Do you receive him for who he really is? Because to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, God gives us the right in Christ to become children of God. That is amazing grace. So no no matter what your experience of darkness is today, the darkness of the world pressing in, no matter what kinds of rejection you've experienced. I mean, this text is um, one of the things that it reveals is the heavy truth that the people who should have recognized Jesus for who he really is rejected him. Maybe you have an experience of rejection in your own life. Maybe that's the darkness you're dealing with today. But again, no matter your particular experience of darkness, and we all walk in darkness from time to time, No matter your experience of rejection in other relationships, God offers you this Christmas the very light of the world, the true light of life, and through him, the gift of becoming a very child of God. You want that gift this Christmas? It's available to you today. Let's pray. God, thank you for stepping out into the darkness of our lives as the true light. Illuminate us this day to see and receive Jesus for who he really is and through him to see you for who you really are. And then equip and empower us by your Holy Spirit that we might enter into the world that you so love as light bearers, reflections of the light of Christ to others. In his name we pray. Amen. Steve West is going to join us next. We're going to unpack some of the religious liberty headlines across the country. Um, notable this morning on the freedom front, Brittany Griner, the WNBA star who was held for months in Russian prisons on drug charges, really in what I would call um, hostage diplomacy by Russia. She was released yesterday. She has now landed back in the United States of America. Um, it was a one-for-one prisoner swap. We gave them an international arms dealer named Victor Boot. Um, It's really not a good trade, but let's just say this. We're celebrating today that Brittany Griner is free. Let's talk with Steve West next. This is Mornings with Carmen. Light of the world, we step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart If everybody had an ocean across the USA Steve West is joining us now. He's the editor of the Liberties Roundup from World Magazine. Steve, welcome back. 
Hi, good morning, Carmen. Good morning. So um, uh, we haven't informed everyone yet, but maybe we should, that the House of Representatives did um, did vote in favor yesterday of forwarding the so-called Respect for Marriage Act to the desk of the president. So um, folks have heard a lot about that, but that is a, a certainly an ongoing and developing a, a story of concern to all of us. Talk with us about um, a foster care ministry that you highlight at World News, um, this foster care ministry that's still fighting to exist. This is a um, this is a powerful story. Yeah, this is uh, Miracle Hill Ministries in Greenville, South Carolina. It has been under attack by LGBT activists for several years now uh, because of their you know, policy of working only with or trying to adhere to biblical principles of marriage, the marriage between one man and one woman. So when they work with couples, um, they ask that the couples be married, a traditional marriage, a biblical marriage. And uh, this these particular these LGBT activists um, have a problem with that. And this particular lawsuit uh, is not actually against Miracle Hill this time. They've been they faced lawsuits in the past, but this lawsuit is um, filed by the American Civil Liberties Unions against the state of South Carolina, because the state of South Carolina, in contracting with these foster care agencies in the state, issues an exemption for a religious um, for religious um, organization, a religious foster care agency or adoption agency, allowing them to continue to operate consistent with their beliefs. And uh, that's a, you know, that's an exemption that's allowed under federal law. But of course, the federal government now is is pushing uh, for, you know, transgender and full, you know, recognition of these groups. And so this this is still a problem. The lawsuit is still going on. And the latest move in the lawsuit is a a motion by the state to have this case dismissed. And I think it will be dismissed because the Supreme Court has um, unanimously uh, in 2021 issued a ruling in the Fulton versus City of Philadelphia cases where it upheld the uh, right of the Catholic Social Services Ministry in Philadelphia to work with the city there, even though they abided by biblical beliefs about marriage. So it's a, it's a developing uh, it's it's a case I think that will end before too long here, but it just goes to show that uh, these ministries continue to be uh, attacked uh, on this front. Steve, when we come back, um, would you uh, would you brief us in on what's happening in California? Um, you you highlight on the on the Liberties Roundup at World News Group this Christian in California um, who's a security guard who's trying to avoid paying union dues. Could we talk about that story next? Be glad to. Great. We're talking with Steve West. Um, he is the editor of the Liberties Roundup at World Magazine. And, you know, I do this as, a, as an opportunity for you to not only be aware of what's happening to our Christian brothers and sisters across the country and the various laws of the land, but in order that we might be praying for one another as our Christian brothers and sisters, um, you know, have struggles of various kinds in various places. Uh, and so use this as an opportunity to pray the news um, today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. 
carmenmcdonald.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Well, way up north where the air gets cold, there's a tale about Christmas that you've all been Continuing our conversation with attorney Steve West from North Carolina. He is the editor of the Liberties Roundup for World Magazine. Steve, um, what's going on in California? Um, read us in on this case of Thomas Ross. Yes, this is an interesting issue because we, we're familiar to some extent with Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act. It bars uh, employers from discriminating against uh, employees uh, or new hires based on their religion or sex or a number of other factors. But, you know, usually that comes up and it also requires the uh, it also requires employers to make a religious accommodation, accommodation for religious employees, you know, where it can, uh, where it's not unduly burdensome to them. This usually comes up in a Sabbath context. You know, somebody wants to not work on Sunday or not work on a Saturday Sabbath, you know, for Seventh-day Adventists. And employers attempt to make some accommodation for that. Well, here uh, we have an employee who is a security guard at a, a very large company, Allied University, uh, Universal in San Francisco. And he uh, has a kind of a unique contention that I hadn't heard before. And his contention is that um, he's being forced to pay union dues uh, in California. It's not a right to work uh, state. So uh, you don't have to belong, apparently, to the union, but you do have to pay the union dues. And uh, he doesn't agree with that. He has a religious objection. He says, here's what he says, basically, he says, I do not bargain with Jesus Christ. I submit to Jesus Christ. The Bible requires the same obedience to my employer. And so he disagrees with collective bargaining and, and union type agreements with employers and union dues requirements. And he's filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and that thing is winding its way through the system now. Meanwhile, they're not requiring him to pay union dues uh, while this is going on. So it's just an interesting case to see what happens and whether they make some accommodation for his uh, for his situation. I suspect that they will make an accommodation for that because it's not, not burdensome to the employer. Um, what are your expectations in terms of the outcome of this case in California? I think he'll, I think he'll prevail in that case. I don't think he'll actually go to a lawsuit. Uh, he's got a complaint with the EEOC. They have to investigate. And I suspect that because it's not, it's not burdensome uh, the, to the employer that he'll prevail in that case. You know, it kind of points out that, um, there are other people who have religious objections. There was, uh, in, in uh, I think it was in Texas, uh, a former Southwest Airlines flight attendant won a discrimination suit against the airline there and the Transportation Workers Union. And it, it, she, what she did was she voiced objection to union dues funding a Planned Parenthood march that opposed abortion. And she was actually able to uh, prevail in her case there. So that's just an interesting, uh, interestingly shows how this Title VII uh, can be uh, can be a refuge for some employees who feel like their union dues are being used to support, you know, unworthy things. All right. I want you to um, tell the story of these um, missionaries. I'm going to describe them in that way because that's the language that they would use to describe themselves. These are Christians who are seeking to distribute Bibles um, in the United States. And so that's a part of this conversation, I think, as well. Like these are genuine missionaries here in the United States seeking to, you know, raise the awareness of others in terms of their concerns about the readiness of our neighbors 
for the coming of Christ, um, something that uh, there's a person in my community who stands on a particular corner with a sign that, you know, declares the uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are you ready? That is the same question that is on this cross being borne by these missionaries who were seeking to do Bible distribution in, um, you know, in a really cold part of the country. What what in the world happened in Montana that landed these people um, not only in jail, but because one of them is a minor, also in foster care for a number of days? Right. And we don't know exactly what happened. We know one side of that story because the other side of the story has not yet been told. But these are, right, five missionaries who are carrying this cross across the country. And they're from North Carolina, or except for one. One's, I think one's from somewhere else, but they're from North Carolina. It's uh, Three of them are members of a family group. There's a dad and there's the uh, two children, uh, a girl who's 18 and then a son who is 12. The dad, Jesse Michael Boyd, set off uh, walking across the country uh, sometime this year from Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. He ends up, I guess, as far as Montana. He's carrying the cross. The cross says repent um, or perish. Uh, and on another, another part of it, it says, are you ready? And that's their goal, to carry the cross, to testify to the gospel, to hand out tracts as they go across the country. So they reach Montana. It's snowing. The windshield's about zero, and they're out there. So these are, these are obviously folks who are sincere in their beliefs and really believe this is the way that they need to, what they need to do, supported by their church in North Carolina. But here they are on the side of the highway. They stopped. They have a, a car that goes with them, and so they had stopped. Uh, and the car was there stopped with them. They were in the right of way of the road. They contend, and and uh, a man stops his truck, uh, rolls down the window on the passenger side, and starts to yell at them uh, and curse at them. Is what they say. And eventually, uh, there's there's some other words. They they kind of uh, engage him a little bit uh, in some way, and he gets out of his truck and comes at them, uh, running at them, and so. There's an altercation. You know, it wouldn't necessarily make anything other than the local news uh, if it didn't involve uh, these missionaries and what happened to them. But it, here it went into national news. And no one is seriously injured or hurt. Um, but he is, there are um, there are some um, fisticuffs, you would say. I mean, there are, there there is definitely uh, something going on there. The neighbors gather around. 911 is called. Uh Basically, what looks like a SWAT team arrives, and all five of the missionaries are placed in jail. Four of them in jail, one of them in foster care, the twelve-year-old son, uh, and held in you know, on a fifty-thousand-dollar bond. And then, it's, when they get out, they uh, have to wear these, um, you know, um, ankle bands that um, that track their movements. And so this is where they stand. And, and so it's unclear what happened. Uh, okay, let's just the, pause there for the a minute. Let's just, yeah. let's just because this might surprise people. Um, at their own expense, they have to wear ankle monitors that cost uh, up a th- to $1,000 per device and carry an $11 a day monitoring fee. Um, $11 a day is, uh, at least here in Tennessee where I live, what we pay somebody to sit all day and serve as a member of a jury um, and so this eleven day, uh, eleven dollar a day monitoring fee might not uh, seem like much if that's what you're getting paid to sit on a jury all day, but it's a lot if it's what you have to pay every single day to have the court monitor 
um, where you are every moment of every day, which I I find um, I find part of the most troubling aspect of this um, because this person has yet to prove um, that these people did anything wrong. Right. And, you know, in addition to the $50,000 um, bond that had to be posted for each of the four adult defendants. So that's $200,000. Uh, the device is $1,000 a piece, $11 a day. So this is quite a bit of money for these are not these are not wealthy individuals that are traveling across the country. So uh, they have some, they have a, a legal team that's been um, uh, put together out there to assist them pro bono. And, uh, you know, they're pursuing action against the um, the county there. There's just been no information released by the county, no investigative report, uh, no indication of, of what the other side of the story is. And no one's talking. So. That's part of the issue here, too, which is understandable that not all the information would be out, but there is nothing other than the fact that they were arrested and charged with these particular offenses. There's also some accusation that, you know, this man knew the sheriff and there was some kind of collusion there. So we don't know any of that, um, but we're waiting to see what happens with them. Meanwhile, they can't continue their journey across the country until they resolve this. And they have a hearing to set for December 13th. And so hopefully we'll know more. Uh, at that period of time. Let's be praying for these individuals, for their families, for the ministry of which they are a part. You can read the whole article at wng.org. It'll also be in the show notes um, for today. What you're, what you're, The headline that you would be looking for, searching for, Montana violence lands missionaries in jail, transcontinental walk marred by allegations of aggravated assault. Um, Steve, thank you so much for joining us this morning. So much... Um, so many other wonderful, um, well, wonderful, so many other important stories that you cover um, in, a, in a very um, helpful way at World News Group. I want everybody to read the uh, story about Leslie Elliott. She's a clinical mental health student in Seattle, Washington. She's uh, facing some challenges there as well um, as that school is now requiring students to um, sign a privileged identity pledge. Um, you'll want to read about that at World News Group as well. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Let's be praying the news on all of these fronts this morning. And let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Okay, so... Um, I am fascinated by the development of um, artificial intelligence and all of the ways that we can now utilize that. In um, I, I, it's happening, like right, it's happening in so many ways. Every time that you start typing something and your computer anticipates what you want to say and it fills it in for you, yeah, that's AI at work at a really, really simplistic level. Well, there are some really advanced ways that artificial intelligence is now operating, um, and. So I tested one out this morning. It's called Chat GPT. Chat GPT. It's a new language model developed by OpenAI, and it can, it says, generate um, human-like text in real-time conversation. Um, but now here's the thing: uh, the writer of the article didn't write that. Chat GPT wrote that when asked to write a 20-word news announcement about itself. 
It wrote, ChatGPT is a new language model developed by OpenAI that can generate human-like text in real in real-time conversation. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I um, started off with a question that said, tell me about mornings with Carmen, which it couldn't do because it says, you know, like, I'm not uh, I'm not a search engine like this is a conversation thing. And I don't know about mornings with Carmen. But then it said if I told it about mornings with Carmen, it could answer questions I might have. And so I did. And then I said, how do Christians this was my question. How do Christians in America engage the culture? And it said this. There is no one way in which Christians in America engage the culture, as the Christian community in the United States is incredibly diverse and made up of many different denominations and traditions. Uh, And then it went on to say, however, generally speaking, Christians remember that a, a computer program is writing this in real time in conversation with me. However, generally speaking, Christians in America may engage with culture in a variety of ways including through their participation in the political process by expressing their beliefs through their personal and professional lives and by supporting or participating in organizations that align with their values. Some Christians may also engage with culture by creating and consuming media, such as music, films, or books, or Bornies with Carmen, that reflects their beliefs and values. I, I mean, this is a, this is a computer. A compu- this is an artificial intelligence machine engaging me in conversation this morning. And it's not really a machine because it's like cloud-based. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, It went on to say, ultimately, the way in which individual Christians engage with culture will depend on their own beliefs, values, and circumstances. So I said, that's a really good answer, to which it responded, thank you. I'm glad you found my answer helpful. Um, If you have any other questions, feel free to ask, and I'll do my best to provide a helpful response. And I said, well, how would you go about planning for a radio broadcast? Um, and then it said, you know, this thing about lots of considerations would be uh, um, required. And it spelled out um, these kinds of things. Identify the purpose, develop a schedule, select and invite guests, prepare materials, promote the broadcast. Now, let me tell you, it it went on to amplify each one of those recommendations with very specific um, information about how to do it. And it was all very accurate. And then it concluded with this. Overall, the specific steps involved in planning a radio broadcast will vary depending on the goals and content of the broadcast. So I then said, well, could you could you do that if I spelled out for you the purpose and the goals of the broadcast? And it said, yes. And so I did. And it designed two different models for a two-hour morning radio program um, that would be hosted and have guests and it told me how to uh, plan for each hour of the program. And then when I asked it to try again, it um, it offered me a whole nother um, methodology. And that is really more the one that we follow. Um, and anyway, I found it fascinating. I then asked it to suggest who might be the first guest that it would invite if it were running this show. And it said Tim Keller. And so I think that uh, it has learned a lot about Mornings with Carmen this morning. I am um, hoping not to be replaced by a chat bot in the near future. On topics like this, we like to talk with Chris Martin from the Terms of Service blog, and he's going to join us next. I'm going to ask him, is there an app for that? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Chris Martin is joining us. Uh, you can find him at his Terms of Sur- Service blog. Um, Chris, are we going to be replaced? Are Paul and I going to be replaced by a chat bot? 
I don't think so. Um, Thank thank God. Chris Martin is the authority on all these things, and he has said it. Let it be true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for a handful of reasons, obviously. Of course, a chatbot can't cannot you know match your wit carmen um but but i think uh yeah i think the thing that's important to like i I think these things are totally fascinating and i've read all the screenshots of all the different ways chatbots have been used in the last week myself and i think it's really interesting um but the thing i think we need to remember there's actually a really great article in the atlantic this week uh Mm. called chat gpt is dumber than you think and mm. I read it because I've been very impressed. You know, I've had the same reaction that you kind of have had, like, wow, that's kind of crazy that it could do all this. And so I kind of had an idea of what this article might say. And it it, it was, you know, 3000 words explaining that idea. And th- it is this it's like chat GPT or, or which is the, the name of the chatbot we're talking about. Um, it should be seen more as a toy than a tool. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a really good way to think about it because um the thing that we have to remember is like you said a computer came up with that response well not really what really is happening is you have some software and computing power compiling content and words that humans have already created and put together so this chatbot does not have consciousness where it's synthesizing your questions and saying, hmm, how do I best answer this question that Carmen has asked? Um, it, I think it really, like I, it, it said to you <laughs> that it is not a search engine, and that's true. I think it's kind of like a search engine that talks in full sentences, that gives its, that gives its answers in full sentences and paragraphs rather than links to people who have written in full sentences and paragraphs. So it's like it, it's it's all it's doing is it's a computer program that is taking search results or or like, you know, and and synthesizing them and and computing and recognizing how how people write. And it's just taking all the information on the Internet, not really, but a significant giant pile of information on the Internet and learning how people write based on that information, learning the answers to the questions people are asking, like, like your thing about radio, like a radio show program. How, how would you do it? And it's just, instead of saying, here's a link where you can learn more about that information. It's saying, here's how someone on the internet, you know, five different Google search results mashed together and written in a comprehensible, understandable way. Here's how you like here's your answer basically so so it's so like it's we'll, reading all of those super fast where i couldn't read right. them that fast and it's aggregating right. them so that that's i don't right. have to and that's basically what exactly. it's doing which which is why yeah, yeah, it got yeah. the answer right because other people have written how do that's you put right. a show together it's, it's not like uh-huh. some ai knows how to uh-huh. run a radio show it's it's uh-huh. not it's not like there's a computer who's like yes i've learned all the human knowledge there's ever to know and i personally <laughs> i my this computer this robot now knows how to run a radio show no 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 it's just it's just doing super fast research and producing a result for you based on all of the research that it's done that it's just taking words humans have already written so the reason i'm not like threatened or concerned about this kind of thing i mean it definitely has implications like like uh, if if you're a teacher and you send take home essays home 
You ought to be concerned. <laughs> um, but like because uh, they could just type the question, the question in, and yeah. it would actually generate a legit something that, essay. Yeah, something that with passable. even just a yeah. little bit of yeah, that that even with just a little bit of editing could be totally passable for sure. Um, however, I'm not concerned about like sentience or consciousness or or no. it taking yeah. your job or my job because it needs humans writing words in order to function properly. So um, if everybody just stopped creating content on the internet, a tool like this would die because it would lose sources of material from which it can tap its information and get knowledge. Okay. Can so, anyway. I, um, can I compliment one, one potential use of it? Sure. It does write in appropriate ways, using appropriate language and accurate words to express thoughts, it does so in a way that is um, accurate and polite. Um, I think there's an opportunity for people who don't know, who didn't grow up in environments or weren't educated in terms of like, here is how you have a polite conversation about a controversial topic or um, because it does. And it actually, it I know it's not engaging with me, but it feels like it. It says, thank you. It says, it says it's sorry. I mean, I recognize it's not thankful, nor is it sorry, but it it puts the right words at the beginning of its discourse and it invites you at the end to continue the conversation, which I find really good conversational training. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is. And I think I think that it can which is it a little could weird have some. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it could but it could have some really great tools. <laughs> I mean, Carmen, back when it was 1999 and I was using AOL Instant Messenger on my Windows 98 machine in my parents' house, you know, in third grade or whatever, uh, I was I was chatting with a with Smarter Child, which was an a mm. AOL Instant Messenger chat bot that was like a really prehistoric version of exactly what we're talking about. So we're not like what we're experiencing is new in some respect, but things have existed like this for for a long time and. And engaging with this kind of thing can be really helpful. Obviously, there are some there are some more, you know, possibly nefarious implications and things like that. However, there is one thing I want to say, because I learned this the other day. You know, it's it's this is called chat GPT. It's from an organization called OpenAI, And a lot of AI kind of stuff like this is what's called open source. And it's like it's like anybody can use it for free. And it's very um it's kind of like for the betterment of the world, we're not going to make people pay for this kind of thing. We're going to just like make it available and see what people do with it. Kind of like the internet itself. You know, you have to pay for like your internet cables and and that kind of thing, but like you don't have to pay to like log on to the internet, right? Like that's open source in a very basic sense. Um, however, OpenAI is a company that intends to make a profit that's mm. run and supported by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley. So, what I'm kind of concerned about, honestly, moving forward, is that this is what I read. I think it's kind of in like a beta slash research phase is what they're calling it. This tool, chat GPT. And I, I'm I'm kind of concerned about what happens when they decide to start chart. Like, th it's just you could see right now is like this is a huge marketing ploy for this tool, right? Like, this is what everybody in my world has been talking about for the last seven to ten days. Um, and everyone's amazed by it. And obviously people see like practical uses for it and scary uses for it. Um, but it's kind of just been like this really huge marketing scheme, I guess you could say. And 
this company could start charging 10 grand for a license for it tomorrow. Um, and so what I just get concerned about a little bit is what happens when this tool is only going to be available for people, for, for super rich people, companies or organizations. You know what I mean? I, I think that a tool this powerful in the hands of a very small, very wealthy group of people and or companies, that's where I think it could start to get kind of weird and kind of like, I think it could become a problem. Like, I think something like this, that's this powerful and has this kind of availability and power should be widely available for a lot of people to use and not, not kept behind a $50,000 gate, you know, whatever they decide to charge. I mean, they could charge a lot of money for something like this. So anyway, I, I think that's something we should be on the lookout for because, you know, people are going to have fun with this tool for however much longer it's free, but you know, maybe in three weeks or three months or I don't know, maybe it's three years. Uh, it's going to go away and people are going to be like, Hey, whatever happened to that thing? And it's like, Oh yeah. Half the articles you read on X X website are mm. actually written by that. Oh my gosh. You mean I'm paying $5 a month to subscribe to this, but they're actually just writing it with the, you know, whatever. So um, there are obviously also ethic, like I work in publishing, there are obvious ethical implications when it comes to like, you can't, I don't think, I don't think we, I was actually chatting with some friends, texting with some friends about this the other day. I don't think you can write anything with this and not cite it. So like, say somebody came with a book that was half written by chat GPT based on questions that the quote unquote author asked of it. Uh, I don't think you can not put it as a co-author, you know, like um, because well, you didn't come up, you didn't come up with that content. I was just, I was talking with a friend about maybe writing an article on the effects of this on sermon writing um, pastors. I, in my view, pastors shouldn't use this to help or a tool like this, to write a sermon without giving credit to it uh, because it's not your words. In fact, it's the words of maybe like 3000 people all jumbled together and spat out of a machine on the other side uh, that you just happened to ask the right question to generate. And so I think, I think there become some ethical implications of whose words are what words and to whom do we give credit when they're not actually ours and, and that kind of thing. So I, I think there's a lot to navigate as far as that's concerned. You as an um, as an as an acquisitions editor person, though, um, wouldn't be able to research that because chat GPT doesn't remember what it told me. It didn't even remember 10 minutes later what it told me 10 minutes prior. It it actually said, no, I can't go get that for you because, you know, I I wanted it to. And it said um, as a language model, I do not have the ability to track or access previous interactions or conversations that we have had. I can only provide information and answers based on the input provided to me at the time of a query. So um, it was happy to, you know, repeat itself. But um, but yeah, anyway, all right, we got to take a very yeah. brief break. Well, it, it, yeah, 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 we got we to. Chris and I could talk about this all day. And we're going to return to our conversation here in just a moment. But we are going to pivot and talk about some other things as well. Chris Martin, Terms of Service blog listening. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at myfaithradio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. 
Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing. Wow, you guys are blowing up the text line this morning um, on this conversation that Chris Martin and I are having about AI and engaging with it in a number of ways. Um, Chris, just some of the things that people have raised on the text line. And remember, you can text us 877-933-2484. Lisa says, hey, citing sources is exactly what I was thinking as a retired school librarian. Um, Jim Jim says it just sounds like... Uh, um, Let's see. We it falls into the category of things that we could do, but um, but maybe we should not do. Um, we have all kinds of conversations here about like that sounds like the ultimate plagiarist. Uh, yeah, plag- yeah, plagiarist. That's a that's a good word, and I'm glad you spelled it for me, person in the six hundred five area code. Um, aggregating information without giving any credit. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, of conversation out there on this, Chris. Maybe you and I should return to this conversation at a later date so that right now I can ask you what I really want to know. Is there an app for that? Like, how do I go about finding an app that does what I want an app to do? Is there like a methodology for finding an app that does something we want an app to do? I feel like there's so many apps out there. There must be one that does what I want it to do. That's, I mean, that's a good question. I I just Google stuff. Uh, <laughs> if I'm looking if I'm looking for an app, I mean, for something, uh, I just Google it. The other day, uh, or gosh, the other day it was probably three months ago. I was like, I'm sick of tracking down recipes in this recipe box on this card or in this book or in whatever. I I sh- like. There's no reason I shouldn't be using my a recipe book on my phone when I'm going to make dinner or whatever. Mm. Uh, and so I did some research. I said, Where, "What's like? There's got to be th- the killer recipe book app. It's got to be out there somewhere. Like the one that that everybody's like, yeah, this is the one, right? Yeah, you might have to pay five bucks for it, but like it's uh, you know, it's it'll sync between your different devices or whatever. And so I just googled like best recipe book app, found a list of like five of them and kind of you know found another article that listed some of the same ones and just kind of synthesized all that and said all right well this is probably the right one and downloaded it and and there we are so i i, I just google stuff when I, when i'm asking if there's an app for that i'm like you know i just google best app for blank find a few different articles cuz i always assume that if one article is listing three of the best apps for something i'm just going to assume those are those apps paid for that placement so i'm going to because that's just how I work and I'm a tortured human being. But um, I'm going to go ahead and read two or three articles and see like, okay, these three of these articles name two of the same apps over and over. So they're probably the two best ones. And then just go figure out what I want to get. Okay. And if I Google and research and scroll around and I don't find an app that does what I think I want an app to do, then maybe that's an app that I need to encourage somebody to develop. So that's my thinking on my particular question about the app I cannot find. Okay, talk with us about what you've been writing about in the Terms of Service blog, how teens feel about social media. It's a feelings conversation. New uh, teens feel a lot of things, don't they? Amen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any of the teenage parents of teenagers out there? Um, 
Yeah, new research was released by Pew a couple uh, weeks ago, back in middle, like middle of November, uh, about how like teen sentiment towards social media. A lot of interesting information uh, in the Pew research uh, study. You can find a lot of the uh, kind of top line, most interesting stats in my newsletter. Um, but uh, some of the things: first, teen girls feel more social pressure from social media. This is not uh, new or surprising information. Um, Jonathan Haidt has done tremendous work in this regard. He's been kind of shouting it from the rooftops for a long time that just the the social dynamics of teenage girls lend themselves to social media being more hurtful f- to teenage girls. Um, and he's been saying that for a long time. And this data from Pew really goes a long way to to confirm that um, because girls self-report that they feel more pressure uh, on social media than boys do. Another one is few, very few teens actually report participating in any sort of activism on social media. So, you know, might, there might this be this idea, especially among conservatives, that all these young people are in their wokeism is just driving driving culture on social media. Well, like, I don't know. This, this study was for 13 to 17-year-olds. Um, so not for, not for teens that young, not for young people who are that young. Um, which kind of makes sense because a lot of activism, I think, tends to come more around the college age, probably more like 18 to 23 rather than 13 to 17. You're 13 to 17. You're trying to figure out who you are as much as you're trying to figure out who the world is. Um, and so uh, very few teens self-reported being interested in any sort of activism on social media. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, most teens uh, don't know who controls their data and they also mm-hmm. don't really care uh which this is not surprising to me but it's just kind of sad um teen teens recognize that they have little control of their data uh 60% recognize they either have little or no control of their data but also um only 26% are a little concerned and only 18% and and 18% are are not at all concerned so um only 13% are very concerned about their data. And so uh, this is just, this bothers me because I care a lot about privacy and data and how social media platforms misuse user data. And I wish people cared more about how they're using yeah. their data, which kind of goes into a TikTok conversation, which I don't think we have time for. But um, that we will just sum up the TikTok conversation this way. Delete TikTok. Delete TikTok. Yeah, but, and, yeah, but um, let me say, and, hold on, but yeah. let me say this. I oh, know, but we only have, have like 30 delete. seconds left and we got to wrap That's the fine. show. That's fine. Yeah, I got, I got. 15 seconds on this because I think it's really important. I I have not deleted TikTok and I care about privacy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. If TikTok scares you, here's my question. Why do you trust TikTok? Oh, sorry. Why do you trust Facebook more Mm. than you trust TikTok slash the Chinese government? Facebook has routinely shown that they mishandle user data and they've not been severely punished for it. Why are we going to let an American company? Get we'll off the see hook? you back here in. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.